You're listening to the Voices Behind Women's Cricket Chat. That's Hannah, Georgie, Cassie, Mahika and Alex. Coming up on today's podcast... Hello everyone and welcome to this episode of Women's Cricket Chat with me, Georgie and Alex. And we are absolutely buzzing today to be joined from across the oceans. You can't see on a podcast that she is enjoying a lot more sunshine than we are. We've got the wonderful Gemma Barsby joining us today. Adelaide Strikers, Ambidextrous... Just a bit of an all-round legend, if you ask us. So thank you so much for joining us, Gemma. And we've managed to work out a 10 and a half hour time difference. So I actually think that's already an achievement in itself today. It's only 9am and I'm already giving today a big tick. But welcome to Women's Cricket Chat. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. So we'll just dive on straight into it. How are things going at the moment in the Women's Big Bash? We've been trying to keep up, obviously, time difference and all that kind of stuff. And there's just match after match. But... How are things going for you and the strikers at the moment? Yeah, we've had a kind of a up and down season. We've yeah probably struggled in a few games where we probably should have won. Where even say on the last game we played against the Brisbane Heat, we were we restricted into a, quite a good total, and then um, unfortunately we lost. I think like seven for twenty nine. So yeah, we're probably we've probably been a, a mixed bag at the moment where we seem to get one facet of the game right, but not all three together. So. Yeah, we've got two more games this weekend. So we go to Sydney tomorrow. And then, um, yeah, hopefully if we win those two and a couple of results go our way, then we're in the semis. And it is quite a hectic schedule, isn't it? You seem to be flying all over the place. How do you manage that? Yeah, it is pretty hectic. You kind of forgot uh, how hectic it can be from flying everywhere and just with the games and stuff, especially because of the last couple of years with COVID and not travelling as much. So it has been that a bit strange again this year, but it's kind of, We've got a we've got really good coaching staff around where they kind of listen to how we're feeling and how we're going and um, making a lot of trainings optional. So if you're not feeling like you'd have to go, um, then you don't have to. So it's quite good of getting just that mix together. And obviously, you know, you used to previously play for the Brisbane Heat. How much of a driving passion and fire is it whenever you come up against them on the opposition that you you just you know you really want to beat them? Yeah, absolutely. You always you always want to get on top of them and have bragging rights. And yeah, we won that first game against them in Brizzy. And then, yeah, unfortunately, we lost to them the, the, the on Monday night. Yeah, it's one all now, but so it's kind of level playing field. But yeah, it is always nice to get on top of them. And you always find that extra desire to yeah, win those games. And obviously, you've got quite a few international stars in there at the Strikers. It's got a, it sounds like I'm mixing all my names. You've got, you've got some... Incredible talent there at the Strikers from all over the world. What's it like to now have, you know, everyone back post-COVID and how much do you all bounce off each other and pick up stuff off each other as you're playing? Yeah, it's really cool. It's exciting to have, yeah, Laura Wolvard back and then to have the first time having Deanna Dotton around the girls. So um, it's cool to have those internationals and just their experience and and show um, and watch how they go about things. It's um, it's pretty cool. And yeah, it's something we've definitely missed. And yeah, it's the... The big bash goes definitely definitely goes very quickly over this, so it's kind of just trying to soak everything in as much as you can, and and just enjoy the time we are all together as a squad. And what is the the squad like? Is it is it great fun? Is it family? Who's the joker? That kind of thing. Because you've been there what two years now, and what prompted that move as well? Yeah, so this is my second season with the Strikers, and yeah, there's kind of um, yeah, it's kind of just a chilled, fun vibe type of group where we all yeah we can hang out together. Or we can just kind of chill out and um, know everything's all good. And I think, uh, yeah, the, probably the leaders of that is like Darcy Brown, where she loves to enjoy the social side of things and 
but still have yeah still um, have a good time with cricket so yeah I think we're, we've got a good combination here where we um, we still enjoy what we do but also enjoy the fun times as well and you know not not to be sniffed at at all you have played over 100 women's big bash league matches how crazy is that to think that when you when you were just starting out and now you've played over 100 so you're like one of the prestige players now yeah, it's pretty crazy to be honest. I definitely, when it first started, definitely didn't think of that I would be able to achieve that. So um, to be able to achieve that, is, it's pretty special. And um, to yeah, be associated with three different clubs over that time, it, it's pretty cool to have all that experience in those different situations and environments. And yeah, I kind of still pinch myself that, that I've played over 100 games in the Big Bash. And how much has the tournament changed since you first joined? It seems to just get bigger and better every year. Yeah, absolutely. We've been fortunate, I think, yeah, since the first one, obviously, the increased funding that we've been able to achieve over those years has definitely helped us um, improve our game and improve the quality of cricket that, that we're able to produce. So, yeah, it would be awesome to go back and watch one of the games from the first season just to see how much it has changed and how much like better the quality is. And women's cricket has grown exponentially probably since the start of the Women's Big Bash. We've now got that. We've got the regional setup in England. We've got the 100. And crowds are getting bigger and bigger. Is that something you've noticed, a shift since you started playing to now? Because obviously crowds are getting there in England. But I feel like in Australia, you guys are about five steps ahead of us. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's still kind of like pinch yourself moment again, where especially when I first started playing at like at this level where you no one knew who you were, no one would come. It was just family members and a couple of friends that would come and watch you to now having genuine supporters um, in the crowd. It's, yeah, it's still that kind of like that surreal moment. And yeah, the crowds are getting better, like bigger and better. And yeah, you kind of, you can kind of get caught up in it, trying to embrace it, especially when you're playing in a wayside and you start getting sprayed by the opposite, like, yeah, by the crowd and stuff, which is, yeah, which is kind of a cool experience to do. And it's just, yeah, learning from those situations and embracing that. And yeah, it's pretty cool. Hopefully, it, uh, the women's cricket continues to grow and the crowds get even bigger. And you've been involved in it, obviously, for a long time now, over 100 matches. What's been your highlight of your women's Big Bash career so far? Oh, that's, yeah, that's a tough one. I'd probably have to say, obviously, we um, when I was back at the Heat, we won the title in, I think it was like 04 or something like that. So uh, to be able to win win the comp there was, was pretty special. And I think just like, yeah, the team team around that and then, yeah, I guess try, ticking off the milestones around that and um, being able to represent different franchises and seeing how they operate as well. So, yeah, I think, but definitely I think the standout is, um, yeah, is winning that title with the Brisbane Heat. And you mentioned their franchises. There's obviously a lot of talk in the world of cricket, the F word, the franchise popping up everywhere. But for women's cricket, it's an amazing thing. There are different ones all over the world now. Would you like to go and get involved in more of those perhaps you know, in the pipeline, the women's IPL, if you could get a shot in that or, you know, get going with the 100 and um, uh, the women's CPL, the PSL, they're going everywhere. How much would you like to fly overseas and get involved in those ones? Yeah, absolutely. I think it'd be silly if we if we weren't um, finding out the opportunity to go over there. Obviously, you have to perform over here to have a look over there because the quality over there is pretty amazing too. So, you have to perform in the Big Bash to even get a look over there, especially when you're kind of like kind of on that fringe of not in the Aussie setup or anything like that. So you have to kind of stand out um, from there. But it would be an absolutely amazing opportunity if, if, the, if those opportunities did arise. And, yeah, it would definitely take with both hands. And also, 
as well as being a talented cricketer, you also do have a job outside of cricket. So tell us a little bit about that. And yeah, we just really want to know like how you balance having a non-cricketing job alongside your cricketing job. Yeah, so I haven't probably worked in about three months just because obviously we have big bash. But um, yeah, I have just I just enjoy it just to get away from cricket. Obviously, cricket can be such a mental game, especially when you're tired or yourself's not going well. So it's kind of I've always just enjoyed it just to if I work one day, two days a week just to go out there and just get away from cricket. The people don't know who I am, so I just go there and um, I mean working in a cafe slash bakery here in Adelaide. So I kind of just go there and um, and yeah serve people coffees and and sweets and stuff and they have no idea who I am so I can kind of get away from the sport and and just yeah recoup and relax that way how good is your latte art (laughs) uh it's not too bad it's definitely not like over the top but I can do like a couple of love hearts and stuff like that so yeah that's probably the extreme I can't do like swans or anything like that unfortunately and let's be honest, everyone just shoves sugar in it anyway and then stirs them away. <laughs> my beautiful artwork, oh my gosh. Um, did the girls in the team ever get you to put the coffees together? Uh, so I remember, uh, I think it was two, like when I stayed with Megan Schutt a couple of years ago when like, I first moved over here, I was yeah making coffees for her and her partner and showing the, the latte out and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, whenever, yeah. I think and then a few girls have been into, into work uh, at the, like where I'm working at the moment so um yeah definitely try and put some latte art into it to show them but yeah it's yeah it's kind of, it's kind of here and there and so your latte art makes you a woman of many talents cricket coffee all of the above and we know cricketers love coffee but you are a woman of many talents on the pitch too and we can't avoid the topic of the ambidextrous bowling so can we just can you give us a bit of a background of how this came about, please, because sometimes I try and throw left-handed and it's like I'm trying to throw with my foot. But you just rock up <laughs> right, left and just switch hitting. Where, how did this come about and why was it a thing? Yeah, so I kind of, I, I established it in like the front yard cricket with, with my brother. Um, yeah, I got, yeah, so I got an older brother and for ages there, I, I could never get him out. So And I'd always go in crying to mum and dad that he wouldn't let me back. So... I remember, I remember just one day um, I decided to, I don't know what came across me, but decided to bowl left arm and dad was out on the balcony and he said, do you just bowl that left-handed? And I was like, yeah, he's like, do it again. And then I guess um, ever since then I, I knew I could do it, but I got a lot of criticism from people growing up from it being like, oh, that just means more work for you, puts pressure more on you and stuff like that. So I kind of put it away for a few years and it was um, coaches back in Queensland was really supportive of me and that's when I kind of picked it up again of doing it and then um, ever since moving to South Australia Luke and the support staff have, have been on me to to bowl it and been very supportive so yeah it's been I've definitely worked hard on it the last probably yeah last year or so and it's there's probably still a long way to go with it but it's definitely getting more consistent than what it was. But I think we also need to appreciate you are in a group of a select few that can do something so spectacular like bowl with both your hands like we know David Warner tried to bat both ways in the recent T20 World Cup perhaps didn't pay off in fact he didn't he got bowled around his legs but you know it's something that's so unique and special and I definitely think people seeing you do this is going to inspire more people to you know want to not just bowl both ways but also just bowl in general yeah hopefully it's um it's probably something I don't I don't think of or don't think 
that it would it would affect people. But yeah, it's probably since it's kind of blown up the last um, last couple of months, especially with how bowling it in the big bash, I've probably realised that it that will start to um, probably persuade people to to bowl some spin and yeah, try even in the backyard try and bowl both arms to their friends and family. So yeah, it is pretty cool and something that I probably haven't really um, stopped to think about of like how much of an impact it could have on someone. I am 100% convinced spin has become cool again. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like it's, it's, like it's gone full circle. So, yeah, exactly. you've got to embrace it while it's cool. We also have over in England, have you ever seen Marie Kelly playing? Because she also bowls ambidextrously. Basically, what we need to do is get the two of you in a team together and have you bowling in tandem. And the batters will just have absolutely no idea what is going on, what's coming down. And that would be the dream partnership. Let's make it happen. But um, yeah. if we just go back a little bit and if we go back to where cricket started, you obviously mentioned you have an older brother and obviously we know that your dad was professional cricketer. How did you decide that you were going to get into it in the first place? Did you ever feel that pressure like, oh, dad does it, maybe I need to do it? Or was it just like, you know, just what happened really? No, I was very, um, very lucky that my parents were very supportive no matter what I decided to do, obviously. I played hockey in the winter and cricket in the summer just to, yeah, just mix the sports up. And um, they didn't, they, yeah, absolutely had no pressure on me to pursue either or. It was just whatever I loved doing, then they were happy, happy for me. And yeah, I remember going, rocking up to, uh, I think it was like an under sevens, like, I think under sevens, under, like, with boys um, at the clubs, club there. And yeah, rocking up there and all the guys looking at me, being like, who is this? And then, Playing with them until under 17s was um, was pretty cool and pretty special. And I think just along the way there, building those relationships and friendships that I kind of, yeah, fell in love with cricket. And that's when I moved over to like the women's side of things and actually knew, like saw that there was a pathway there and um, yeah, kind of got thrusted into it at a young age. So yeah, it was pretty, yeah, kind of just, yeah, it was very fortunate that my parents were very pushy. And how did you find playing just with boys? Was there ever anything you had to, any stigmas or anything you had to overcome, like going and having to get changed in the toilets because it wasn't a changing room and that kind of thing? It wasn't too bad. Obviously, you just kind of had to like build the trust of the guys at the start that you were actually, that you could play. It was kind of just like once you broke that stigma of them, yeah, I guess accepting that you actually can play cricket, then they they backed me like there was no tomorrow. I remember there was a few people few guys from opposition sledging probably sledging me and then my teammates coming in and like absolutely sledging them back to back me up and stuff so like they, I was yeah it was pretty cool when that situation happened because you kind of knew that you were you were in with them and yeah you had all their support I guess that's one of those you know let your performance do the talking kind of thing yeah absolutely it's kind of yeah you had to it probably got a few weeks into playing with them that they um, realized that yeah I wasn't just here just just because and that I was being serious and actually, yeah, actually wanted to play. And I saw a video of you, um, a striker's sort of, you know, promo video thing. You were saying your favourite memories of playing at home and you used to have to go off the long run and avoid cars when you were playing <laughs> hard. What was that about? It was just sort of playing a game of chicken yes. and cricket all at once. Yeah, pretty much. Um, we reflecting on it, but it was, yeah, we had like this park um, across the road from us and obviously, yeah, the road was there, so... It wasn't like a busy street, but yeah, it was obviously the occasional car. So yeah, you had to look both ways before running into bowl just to make sure. And um, yeah, there was probably a few close calls with once we had bowled it that the ball got hit back at, at cars and stuff. But 
yeah, it was all all a part of the like the childhood memories, and it was yeah, it's pretty cool looking back at it. And so we mentioned that your dad also played at Queensland, and he was one of the first teams to win their. Let me get my let me get my facts right. So <laughs> that was part of um, the first team to win the shield at Queensland, and you were in the first women's team to win the T20. What does that mean to you that you've got that sort of connection, not just through cricket but also through a title? Yeah, it's pretty special. It's something something you kind of dream of, and for it to happen is is pretty cool. And it's probably still hasn't probably fully synced in how um special that is that yeah we're both in the first Queensland side to win a comp so yeah looking back at it I definitely would be something that I probably fully look back at it once I once I finish playing and realize how special it actually was but yeah to have that I guess bond with dad is is pretty cool and so coming up through the ages you obviously started you know getting known around different setups. Um, you won the Betty Wilson Trophy as a standout player, the under 18 nationals in 2012. You made 153 in a 50-over game against Tasmania. So you've been on that radar and you've been involved in Australia A stuff. How hard is it in Australia to sort of break through into that top bracket? Because there is just so much talent and that's great to see that there's this depth in the women's cricket. But as a cricketer, how hard is it to just keep pushing and trying to go to that next level when there's such a like array of talents. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely very hard and it's something you have to make sure you're continuing to try and to improve and, and get ahead of, I guess, your competition. And yeah, it's something that unfortunately I haven't been able to do, but it's something that you continue to um, strive for and you just want to firstly do well for the teams that you're playing for. And if those recognitions come later on, then it's something pretty special. But yeah, like you say, the the talent in Australia at the moment is unbelievable. And um, there's always some new, new, young and exciting cricketers coming through that you have to challenge yourself and continue to get better. So that's always um, striving to get better. And um, if those opportunities arise, then, then you try and take it with both hands. On the personal side, obviously we know that you were diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. Um, how many years ago was that now? Uh, so that was when I was 19. So that's eight years ago now. And so when that diagnosis came about, what did you think that was going to mean for your cricket career? And how have you managed that? How do you cope with that? And how do you use your place as a pro cricketer to sort of encourage others that they too can overcome this and still continue to lead a fulfilling life and pursue their dreams? Yeah, absolutely. It was definitely a shock um, when I first got told. Um, I absolutely had no idea what MS was and to be told to still have your goals and aspirations. I knew it was something pretty serious. And yeah, it was a few days in limbo uh, of talking from like the doctor to the neurologist to try and work out yeah, yeah, how, how serious I got it and what the next steps were was pretty scary. But yeah, just now looking on, I just find myself very lucky that I'm still able to play cricket like yeah, professionally and to be able to do everything I love still. it's I find it very fortunate. I try and use... The, the little platform that I have to raise as much awareness as I can because like many others yeah like they don't a lot of people didn't know what MS was before I was diagnosed a lot of like my, my friends and family so to be able to try and raise that awareness and to try and yeah build people's knowledge and that understanding is is what I'm trying to achieve while I have that little platform and yeah and try and inspire people that that have it to get out and about and try and keep living their life as best as they can. And what kind of different things do you have to do to manage that? Like, do you get particularly tired post-games and how do you combat this and who's there to support you on that side? Yeah, so obviously playing cricket in the summertime is not ideal because heat brings 
um, symptoms on. So it's kind of, especially when I go back to Brisbane now, I've got um, cooling devices. So like an ice vest, neck coolers that I use and we make up slushies and stuff. So when I'm out in the field, the 12th or the physio will bring out slushies to me and stuff like that. So I'm cooling, like cooling from the inside as well. So it's just trying to keep my body temperature as cool as possible and just using, yeah, and just communicating that with the with the staff. And, yeah, I, I definitely know for a few years there I was obviously trying to hide my bad days because I was quite ashamed of it. So now it's just trying to communicate as much as I poss- possible and letting them know that, yeah, I am having a bad day and need to take things um, a little bit easier. And I think it's so good that you are open and honest with everyone about it because I know I my sort of understanding of MS probably comes from neighbours which I know is like a really weird thing to say and like with Selma Blair and Christina Applegate I think by you talking about it and sort of normalising it to say you know yes I have MS but it doesn't stop me from being able to carry out my job I think it's really great and a really inspiring thing to do yeah absolutely and it's just something yeah that over the over the time I've learned a lot of people oh sorry spoken to a lot of people that do have it and just their stories is is unbelievable too and what they've been through and how they've been judged at workplaces because they've got it and just yeah just different stories like that I've I even still find myself very fortunate even though I have the disease how lucky um lucky I am that I am I've got like frequent um frequent well being so being so easily available to MRI scans to check how how it's all going and stuff like that so I still find myself very fortunate talking to to people that that do have MS so yeah just trying to yeah inspire as many people as I can and I suppose you're able to sort of do that through your ambassador roles with Kiss Goodbye to MS and MS Queensland could you explain a little bit about your ambassador role and how you kind of hope to you know continue normalizing MS yeah so I work with um Novartis Australia as well and it's just something that I try and yeah like I said like use my platform to to reach out to as many people just to just so they understand firstly yeah, what MS is, um, what it entails and just try and normalise it a bit so people feel confident when they go to their workplaces that they can tell um, their colleagues if they're having a good or bad day yeah, and feel like they're not going to be judged judged for that. And and then and secondly, obviously, and most importantly, probably trying to find a cure for, for MS as well. And aside from slushies and cooling devices, what other things do you use to manage it and to ensure that you're in the best place you can be for match days, for training, and to not let it impact you too negatively in your cricket career. Yeah, it's obviously um yeah trying to get as much like yeah trying to get up up and about each morning, get some vitamin D. Yeah, eat eat fairly well as well. Obviously, those three things are pretty pretty important to um, making sure you keep on top of it. It's it's probably like the little things that you probably don't realize that you're like okay, I need to. I need to keep on top of this but so that it doesn't deteriorate. So it's just, yeah, making sure get up, get moving, get some sunlight and just eat well as well. Oh, get some sunlight. To live in Australia. Yeah. Like gaze yeah. out the window into the darkening clouds. Anyway. Um, <laughs> and how do your teammates, you know, what do they do? Do they, obviously they all know about everything and what is it that they do to support you on that side? Yeah, they've been amazing. Each Each setup that I've been in, yeah, they all obviously all know and they say that, um, yeah, they always just make sure they just say that they're um, always there for me if I need and, yeah, if they can do anything to help, then let them know. And, yeah, I'm very much appreciative of that and, um, yeah, just kind of lean on them when I, have the, when I have the good and bad days. 
Yeah, and it's, I guess you obviously, you know, you're in that setup and you've been there two years now, so you know quite a lot of them, but you have new people coming in and out. So I guess it's just become part of it now. You know, it's an amazing talking point, but I guess for you, it's just, that's part of my life. I get on with it. I know how I manage it. I'm here for the cricket. Yeah, pretty much. And um, yeah, it's obviously kind of stages where people like that, I yeah, probably get caught up in that a few times and the new people coming to be like, oh yeah, so like, I hear you got Emmett, like, what is it and stuff? And I'm like, oh, yeah. Then I just, like, then that's when I have to, like, catch myself and, yeah, kind of explain it and, I guess, teach people what it's about because I kind of just, because I'm so used to having having it, having it, living with it and dealing with it that I kind of just try and live as normal life as I possibly can. Um, when you first got diagnosed, how did that make you feel? Was there ever a moment you thought this is going to completely stop my cricket career and how did you manage that did you ever find yourself in sort of a dark place around that yeah absolutely obviously that's the first thought especially when yeah you get told to sort of your career and aspirations you're like yeah but what about cricket obviously cricket is quite a draining and tolling sports so can, am I still able to do that and I remember just yeah all these questions running through my head when I first got diagnosed and it was like the big unknown of yeah if I was still able to continue to play especially at 19 I felt like I was only just just beginning and to then to be told that it was yeah it's quite scary and yeah thankfully uh to the stage it hasn't really stopped me obviously I've had some days where I probably had worse days and for instance like um I remember after I think one of the days at club cricket in Brisbane it was like it was a really hot day and I came off and pretty much my whole right arm went numb so it was just trying to just yeah trying to get on top of top of those things early so those things can't happen and your right arm goes numb now and you're like you know what I got this I'll bowl left-handed. Yeah, yeah fortunate for that. <laughs> and so moving on from that, obviously you've learned how to cope with that one. Are you really enjoying your setup at the Strikers these days? And we mentioned earlier some of the internationals you've got in there. What's it like to be able to, you know, play alongside people like Laura Wolvart and be that close to seeing that cover drive? And then someone like Deandra Dottin, oh. self-appointed world boss and quite <laughs> at times what's it like to have those kind of girls around and see all their different energies and how they play yeah it's pretty cool and it's one that I've definitely learned over over the years to try and soak in as much um, information off them and just watch how they they go about things obviously because they're world class and they're brought over here as internationals so they obviously do things pretty well and and know their routines and everything so I just try and yeah sit back and watch watch what they do and I think yeah I sort of got a bit starstruck on a Monday night going out there and batting batting with Wolfie. I was kind of like, oh, my God. like Yeah, I think this is the first time actually batting with her and, and stuff. And, yeah, she got, like, just watching her play cricket is unbelievable. And when D dot teen off for bowling those amazing Yorkers, it's, just, it's kind of just pinch yourself moment that you're actually in a team playing with them. And when you are around these sort of established internationals, your dot-ins, your Wolfarts, et cetera, do you ever, like, go up to the- them and pick their brains on how to play certain shots or certain bowlers because obviously they've got a vast wealth of experience playing all over the world so I'm just curious to know whether you like have little chats about stuff like that yeah absolutely that's what I've probably definitely learned to do over the years obviously because they do play international cricket they obviously yeah like I said know what they're doing so when I get the chance to bowl to them in the net so I ask them I try and ask them questions like what the what they found hard to face what the lengths were, what the speed was like through the air and, and just like stuff like that, just to try and yeah pick their knowledge and um, try and find their weaknesses while I'm at it. And so looking ahead, obviously you've got a few more games still this 
season, hoping to qualify there. But what is this sort of dream for the next year, year and a half? The next two games, like you said, are pretty crucial for us to try and then make the finals and um, anything can happen in final series. And um, we made the finals last, like the, yeah, the grand final last year. And hopefully we can do that again, but time will tell with that. And yeah, it's kind of just uh, going back, uh, going to the Scorps. So yeah, South Australian Scorpions, which is the 50 over stuff and being in and out of leading that while when the, when the Aussie girls are away. So having that privilege. So trying to, yeah, I guess use my knowledge in and around that and hopefully win some games with that and bring home the, um, the trophy for that competition as well. I also wanted to ask with sort of, you've got the T20 comp, so the women's big bash, and then you said you're off to go play in the 50 over comp. How do you sort of switch mentalities between the two? Because obviously T20 is fun, it's fast, it's go out there and slog it. Whereas 50 over cricket, you've kind of got to take a bit more care. Not so much care like test cricket, but you've got to sort of think about it more. You've got to be a bit more methodical. So how do you switch mentalities yeah. between the two? Yeah, those first um first couple of training sessions back, once you've come out of Big Bash into one day stuff and you start leaving the ball and stuff again, it feels a bit weird. But yeah, it just takes um takes a couple of training sessions just to, yeah, I guess, get your, get your feel and get your eye into, into that competition again. And then, yeah, it's an easy easy transition because you obviously still need to have intent like you do in the big bash but you still yeah but you obviously got a few more balls when you're out there batting and bowling you're able to work on that batter a bit more and which do you prefer oh good question I do like the big bash just because it's yeah it's just so fast quick and you're playing against elite competition especially when you bring that internationals in there so you get to challenge yourself against the best and especially as a spinner because one day you could go for a heap of runs the next you could you could take a lot of wickets and not go for many. So it's just the, the ride of the wave of T20 cricket. And you're saying that you go to South Australia and when the international girls go off and play, you get to lead that side. How much do you enjoy captaining and what's your kind of captaincy style like? Yeah, it's something I'm still working on. Um, When moving down here, I didn't really think of being in the captaincy role. And I remember Luke, the coach, coming to me at the start of last season and being like, uh, the Aussie girls will be away quite a lot this year. We think you'd be a good candidate. And I was like, I, used to, like, I was kind of a bit hesitant at the start because I was like, nah, I don't, think, I don't think it's for me and stuff. But yeah, once I once I bit the bullet and decided to, to give it a crack, it's, yeah, I've really enjoyed it. You, have, you definitely ride the highs and lows, especially when you lose. You, you question everything you, you did out there and it's just a good experience and it kind of takes... I guess, yeah, it's just that, especially as a, as a bowler, you kind of like that juggling of you know, focusing on your bowling, but then also working out what the, what the team needs as well. So I've definitely loved the challenge of it and hopefully, yeah, continue to, to do all right for the girls. And what does a team talk by Captain Gemma Barsby look like? <laughs> what, what are your words of inspiration? Oh, it is shocking. I remember, like the girls laugh at it every time when we go out, uh, when we get in the huddle just before running out on the field. I stumble my words and like I mix up what I'm going to say because I'm already thinking of like the next thing I'm going to say and just stumble. And like, I guess it's kind of a good thing because then it kind of make, breaks the ice and the girls are a bit lighthearted and laughing while we're running out there. So it's definitely not my strong point and the girls will definitely back me up on that one. So we might not be expecting a Gemma Barsby TED talk anytime soon. Definitely not. <laughs> it's in yeah got to keep improving on that <laughs> and when you're out on the field um what is it that you're you know how do you adapt your captaincy and how have you sort of grown into that how long have you been doing it now as well well yeah this is my um this will be my second season so definitely still learning how to go about it but 
it's just trying to stay as calm as possible out on the field and, and try and, I guess, hide those emotions because if, if the captain's showing emotion and down the dumps or frustrated, then it will rub off on the rest of the girls. So just trying to stay as calm as possible clear with the girls and and just giving them as much confidence as I can really and obviously as captain you know you're in charge of a whole range of things you know field placements getting the right bowling combination how stressful do you find that because I know for some people like Ross Butler when he's captaining he he kind of leans on his vice captain Moen Alley sometimes because he's behind the stumps some people like Ben Stokes they just know what they're doing so I'm just curious to know what kind of captain you are when it comes to field placements yeah, definitely, um, especially last season and, and we'll do this year, I uh, landed on our keeper to, like, help me out, especially when I was bowling. And then I wanted to um, probably more on the tactical side of things. I was like, this is who I'm thinking of bowling for the next over. I just want to focus on, like, who I'm, what my, my over, this is what I'm thinking. Can you tell this person that they're bowling at this end? She's like, yep, no worries. And, and yeah, I kind of give her, obviously, because she's a keeper, give her the freedom of doing the field placements because she's got, got the best eye and, yeah, it's kind of just yeah, feeding off people and or having those go-to people that you that you obviously go to and and trust out there. Is there anyone's captaincy you look at and you sort of pick bits out of? Uh, I'm getting better at obviously because um I'm still new to captaincy. It's kind of something that I never really took took too much notice of. But the way Tali McGraw goes about it at, at strikers, she's just yeah that calm, composed in in any situation, and and you know when she when she gives you that ball that she, um, she backs you 100%. So trying to definitely take that side of things into into mind. And so you're working on your captaincy. You're looking ahead to potentially getting to the finals, hopefully, um, with the strikers this year. Um, what else is sort of top of your agenda, things that you're looking to work on in your cricket at the moment? I think it's just continually to get better, to be a bit more consistent. Obviously, my batting struggled probably a bit recently so trying to get a bit more consistent with that and again contribute a bit more with the side so um, definitely consistency with bat and ball and yeah just try and I guess help help the younger ones coming through as well. And do you see yourself as that kind of role model these days? Obviously women's cricket has grown so much across the world but especially in Australia is is pretty well known it's got a great setup what does it mean to know that there's so many more role models out there for young girls wanting to come into cricket. And did you have that when you first got into it? Yeah, it's pretty cool. And something I probably don't think about too much as well. It's, it was very evident to me on, on the weekend when we had home games and, and you see um, a lot of the young girls from your club side come out and want your autograph and stuff. You're like, I play club with you. Like, what's, what's the deal? They're like, no, can you like sign, please, please. And you're just like, yeah, okay. And it's kind of like those moments there. You're like, okay, actually like, yeah, you do play a big part in, in the young generation growing up. So it's just being being mindful of that and being appreciative of that. And for yeah, for myself, it was probably more just looking at, I guess, the men's side of things because the women's, um, I didn't know too much about it when I was growing up. So, yeah, it was probably more like the men, like I liked watching like Mark Hussey, um, Matthew Head and that, that. So, yeah, it was probably more the likes of that for me. And obviously with the way the women's game is going, it means more sort of scrutiny in the media, more social media presence. How are you finding that and how are you finding sort of being recognised compared to about five years ago where the game perhaps wasn't as strong as it was where you could still, you know, like you say, you could still go and have your your job away from cricket, which you still can do. But like now, social media is such a big part of the women's game. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely something um, we're still getting used to. You kind of 
can get caught up in looking at um, what people write about you and, and stuff like that. But yeah, it's something you kind of just kind of got to look at and laugh at and know that they're just, they're probably people that wish they were in our position that you're out there playing sport professionally and, and stuff like that. So you kind of just got to try and not let it affect you as much and, and yeah, get on, get on with what you know best. And how much do you, are you a social media, you know, into your social media kind of girl or do you leave the TikToking to the teenagers? <laughs> no, nah, definitely I'm not on TikTok. So that's definitely one of the trends that I'm not up on. But yeah, I do do go on Instagram and, and Twitter and all that. And so yeah, that's what makes definitely makes me feel old when I'm not up with the latest trends like TikTok. So we won't see you creating some kind of Megan Trainer dance, which I think is the thing this week. Absolutely not. You know, you and D-Dot out there doing the Megan Trainor dog. <laughs> I would have to have a fair few beverages to get me to do that. <laughs> when you win when you win the Big Bash this year? Potentially, yeah, potentially. Okay. I'm holding <laughs> you to that one. <laughs> and then I just wanted to add on to that bit about role models there. Who was, you know, who inspired you most when you were like in life, but also in cricket? Yeah, it's a good question. I was I get asked this quite a bit who my role models are that and I didn't to be honest, I didn't really have too many. I just kinda just played for the love of it and um and I did I did like watching, yeah, like Mark Hussey, um, Matthew Hayden, Ricky Ponding, Bat just just made it look so easy, um and stuff. So yeah, probably enjoyed watching them bat, but I to be honest, I didn't really have too many yeah, too many heroes growing up. You can just be your own hero, yeah. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> And I know Georgie spoke to you earlier about the fact that your dad played cricket and have and because he played cricket and then you took it up, was there ever a sense of pressure, you know, for you when you played cricket? Because obviously the Barsby name was already known by this point. So it can sometimes for certain players, having a parent or having a sibling playing cricket can sometimes have an adverse effect instead of a positive one. No, I didn't find that too much. Obviously, yeah, I knew what knew what Dad had done and and stuff like that. It was kind of it was probably kind of nice. He was obviously um, he opened the batting and was more of a batter where I've come probably more the the bowling side of things. So I couldn't really be compared to to him in in that aspect. So yeah, definitely probably over the time he's um, definitely given me some of his thoughts and opinions and what he would have probably done in situations and stuff. But no, it's all coming from from a good place and and he means well. And how competitive were Barsby backyard cricket games? Oh, way too competitive. Absolutely. Any game of like sport that we played in the backyard, it, it always ended up probably in tears or fights, definitely. So it's like the family Monopoly game. You know, most people yeah. are <laughs> and you guys are out there just shouting and playing cricket. Yeah, pretty much. Nice. Well, maybe you could think of an excuse not to play it on Christmas Day this year. Avoid all yeah. <laughs> But I suppose, though, in a way, although it's like very you know, the Monopoly-esque Christmas Day sort of vibe. I suppose it kind of fosters that competitiveness in you from a, a, an early age and that drive to succeed. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, yeah, definitely very competitive. And when I step on that over that rope, I'm yeah very competitive and want to win. And it probably got me in trouble when I was that younger age. I kind of just went out there and didn't care who I was playing. I told them what I thought and stuff and it got me into trouble a few times. And thankfully, I've matured and grown up a little bit now that I realize it's not the smartest thing to do but definitely still very competitive out on the field and I want to do the best I can for the team I think I might have come to the end of my deep diving questions Alex do you have any more to throw in 
Yeah. Um, what's been your favourite moment of the Big Bash so far with all the teams that you've played for? So, like, one one defining moment from each team you've played for. Oh, I actually have the worst memory. <laughs> it's funny because people are like, oh, go back and, like, oh, like, can you tell me what happened in this game? I was like, I honestly have no idea. But for the Heat, it definitely would be us winning winning the comp. So there was, yeah, I remember playing the Sixers and it was definitely that hoodoo. We could never really beat them. And then to beat them in... The final was, was unbelievable. And then just the experience over in Perth, it was the first time moving away from like Queen, that Queensland and that setup and to experience that and yeah, how they went with it and how welcoming they were. It was, yeah, it was a pretty cool experience with them. And then with the strikers, it's just, yeah, I think it's just like, yeah, that cool chill vibes and vibe and to be able to make the final last year and have that experience with the girls was, um, yeah, it was something pretty cool. Okay. So we like to always try and round off with a few more. Fun questions, just quick fire kind of ones. And one we always go to as our first one is, what is your favourite item at a cricket tea? At a cricket tea? What's that? No. Like a traditional cricket tea that you have at cricket. So we're like, we're thinking scones, finger sandwiches, little sausages. You guys probably have like lamingtons or something gross. We don't even, yeah, we don't even do that. (gasps) No. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, so like between innings then, or like before you go out to bat, surely there must be some sort of spread that you guys tuck into. No, I remember, I think in adult, like definitely in South Australia, before COVID, they used to do that, but haven't done it anymore. So it's kind of just bring your own food and yeah, deal with it yourself, really. <laughs> I'm honestly yes, so you can't see it. You can't see it, but Georgie is absolutely like, baffled. <laughs> it's honestly, it's like She's the pinnacle. I honestly think that's why people in England take up cricket because you oh, yeah. just so they can you know, eat scones, eat cakes, drink tea, and go out and bat. Would yeah, it's cool. always like it's always like crisps in a bowl, Nuggets, and like cold pizzas, uh, wagon yeah, wheel. So good. The whole. I won't explain what a wagon wheel is because that's a whole discussion for another day. Yeah. But honestly, wow. Okay. Well, I'm speechless. Um, but, <laughs> which for Georgie is very rare. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can't have a podcast without someone talking. So, you know, no one is yeah. listening to me right now. So you just have to hear me. Um, another one we love to ask is, what's the best sledge you've ever used or heard? Oh, I guess uh, the one I heard that got used against me was, I remember one of the girls was in like first slip. I was fresh as, and they, yeah, they were like, why are you? Like, they were just saying, yeah, like, obviously because my last name is Barsby and then um, I got the nickname Barbie at the start there and they were like oh like they'll just spray me about why I was called Barbie and um, all of that so yeah it was good initiation into the big girls cricket. <laughs> Favourite musician or artist? Oh Adele. Adele has an unbelievable voice like I wish I could sing like her that'd be unbelievable and she's just got like quirky like just as herself and stuff so yeah I'd definitely say Adele. Go to karaoke. Oh, I feel like a woman. Yeah. Choice. Yeah. <laughs> Who's the uh, team DJ? At the moment, it'd be Maddie Penner. She's definitely one that's hot on the tunes and makes sure it's like everyone adds to the Spotify play- playlist. So, yeah, I'd definitely say Maddie Penner. And who's got the best and worst style in the team? Oh, I'd say the worst is definitely Darcy Brown. And like she just rocks up in whatever. And yeah, just I have to say her and best. Oh. That's a good question. I have to say, probably like Megan Dixon in the Strikers. She's, yeah, she prides herself on her style. So I definitely have to say her. 
does Deandra still carry that massive like speaker around with her everywhere she goes? <laughs> uh, she hasn't brought it out yet, so I'd have to say no. Oh my god, it's so heavy. Do you remember me carry it? It was so heavy. It's like a massive JBL Bluetooth speaker. Right. Oh, really? <laughs> it's probably like the same weight as a cricket bat. Probably heavier. Oh, wow. Quite heavy. Last Netflix series or TV series you binged? I don't binge any. I rate that. I yeah. hate a TV binge. I like a regular once a week watch. No. Yeah, no, none for me. No, it stresses me out when it's released weekly. Like Grey's Anatomy on Disney Plus right now is like one episode a week, and I'm just like, just. So just Grey's Anatomy really... came out so long ago, didn't it? That you could probably just watch it back. <laughs> no, but like the new season, we're on season nineteen at this point. That's too long. It's run as last book you read. I do not read. Fair. Yeah, do not read. <laughs> it's not for me. Fave Aussie dish. Oh. A good chicken, like chicken snitty um, at the moment. Yeah, that we had a group going on that um, we'd go and like go to um, all the different pubs for like the different specials and um, see which one did the best, like best, yeah, chicken snitty. What is a chicken city? Just for, not just me, but for our listeners. Oh, who uh, <laughs> like a chicken snitchel. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, so just, yeah, short into chicken snitty. Rolls off the tongue better. If there was one Australian snack you could take with you if you had to move out of Australia what would it be oh definitely probably be Tim Tams I got a massive sweet too so yeah it'd have, definitely have to be them and which flavor oh any pretty much like I'd demolt like I'd smash any of them really <laughs> and do you do a Tim Tam slam no nah. just no. the whole hard just the just just the Tim Tam yeah does it I does its job I think they're better refrigerated so, yeah, not too bad. So, yeah, I'll have a, I wouldn't mind having it, yeah, in or out. They would definitely be something that would be at a cricket tea if you guys had. One. Yeah, for sure. Someone, someone would bring a, yeah, a packet for sure. Mm. If you weren't a cricketer and you could be anything you wanted to be, what would you want to do? Well, for ages, I'd definitely say that I wanted to run my own cafe, but probably over the years it's changed. Probably at the moment, I'd like to be like a sports massage, like therapist person because you'd still be able to get it like go around and travel with teams and potentially go yeah around the world and stuff so it'd probably be that at the moment favorite ground you've played at oh scg was pretty cool like to actually play on there Adelaide oval's cool yeah they're definitely the ones in australia yeah i'd probably have to say them to be honest and a ground you haven't played at but would like to the mcg that'd be pretty cool or i've been to i've been and watched well like I remember I was very lucky enough to like travel with the Aussie girls like ages ago and they were playing over in England and they got to go to like they played at Lords and I was just in and around there and um to be yeah there was was pretty cool so um to actually play on Lords would be pretty cool if there was one person you could get out and one person you could hit for six who would you pick oh wowza Uh, like a full-on clean bold it's a very good question there's probably a few. I'd probably have to say, like, Sumridi Mandana. She'd be, like, up there. Who else would be up there? Soph Devine, because she's, like, unbelievable against Ospin, so she'd probably be up there. And then to be able to hit the six, oh, anyone, really. I struggled to do it as it is, so if I could hit anyone, it'd be amazing. <laughs> Take a Pfeiffer or score a T20 century? Oh, I'd have to probably like I'd have to probably say T twenty century because yeah I know that's never gonna happen so I'd have to say that. <laughs> you never know. There's like an exclusive club 
there's the exclusive club of international players that have scored a century in each format. Although no one's scored a century in the hundred yet, so it's not technically every. Ooh, look out! Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine if you came over to the hundred and that was the first thing you did? Scored a scored a hundred in the hundred. Well, I would shout everyone because I know that would never happen. <laughs> I mean, stranger things have happened, so you know. <laughs> um, yeah. What's your go to go to drink of choice? What's your cocktail? That's a tough one. Like I like like a like a mango daiquiri or something like that for a cocktail. I don't mind a beer. Yeah, or or like a seltzer or something like that. But yeah, cocktails would be like a mango daiquiri, something nice and refreshing on a hot summer's day. I actually am a big fan. This can, this is one for you, a slushy margarita. Oh yes, nice. Yeah. yeah. If there was one piece of advice you could give to your younger self, what would it be? Just to have fun and um, I guess soak in as much knowledge as you can and know that probably. Yeah, I guess all the coaches are wanting to help you, but knowing like probably not everything you know is what, or they, the pieces of ice that they give you uh, might not work for you. So just trying to like, I guess, soak it all in, but work out what's what's best for you. But yeah, most importantly, have fun. Well, that seems like a really nice way to end off this morning slash evening's podcast. Um, Last thing we need from you, Gemma, is where can our listeners find you on social media? Yeah, so I'm on Twitter and um and instagram so it's like it's gemma with double a double b on instagram amazing well thank you so much for joining us today gemma we've worked at, we've worked a time difference the sun has come out and that's all thanks to you it's been <laughs> so fab to chat to you i'm gonna go away and practice bowling with my left arm or i can't even brush my teeth with my left arm so there's a lot of work to be done i can play lacrosse left arm nothing else I'm going to go away and practice that. You're honestly, you're so such an inspiration to so many out there and to see what you've overcome and still being out there absolutely bossing it is amazing. And thank you so much for joining us and have a nice evening. Thanks, guys. Enjoy your day. Massive thank you to Gemma for coming on and being a guest on the podcast. Also, massive thanks to her for being so open about her battle with MS and the impact it has on her being able to play cricket. It's also really cool to know that to get away from cricket, she has a part-time job in a little bakery as a barista, you know, just trying to, despite women's cricket being on the rise, she still wants that normality and that familiarisation with, you know, having bits of herself that are away from the media and to all our listeners if you want to keep up to date with everything that we're doing you can follow us on twitter at w cricket chat on instagram at women's cricket chat and if you want to give us a like on facebook we are women's cricket chat if you'd like to give our personal twitters a follow then it's at hannity1194 at georgia heath 27 at cassie coombs 98 at mihika barshney and i'm at alex jane this has been the women's cricket chat tune in next time Go!